Elliot Goldstein is hosting a radio and podcast show out of New Mexico called NMDJ Presents Fly on the Wall. We are building a fresh, fabulous podcast library of musicians, writers, artists, and all good people of note, with many new and exciting guests to come. We are listener-funded. If you would like to assist our Venmo info is New Mexico DJ service. The PayPal info is New Mexico DJ service at gmail.com. We appreciate your help. We would like to thank Alan Gower for the intro music. Enjoyed the show. Welcome to NMDJ, presents Fly on the Wall. We are honored to have as our guest today the keyboard legend, Brian Auger. Brian is an English jazz, rock and roll music keyboardist specializing in the Hammond organ. Auger has worked with Rod Stewart, Tony Williams, Jimi Hendrix, John McLaughlin, Sonny Boy Williamson, and Eric Burden just to name a few. He incorporated jazz, early British pop, R&B, soul music, and rock into his sound. We are listener-funded. If you would like to assist our Venmo info is New Mexico DJ service. The PayPal info is New Mexico DJ service at gmail.com. Please remember to share our info. Thanking you all. Don't forget to follow the show. So, here's Brian and Elliot becoming fast mates. Um, Elliot, thank you so much, man, for, uh, for doing this. For are you kidding? Know? I have to thank you for this. And, and I'm going to tell you why in a minute, but let, let's, let me backtrack before we get started. I was on the phone this week with Mingo Lewis, who sends you his love. With who was that? Mingo, Mingo Lewis. Oh, yeah. Wait, wait, it gets better. Uh-huh. John, John Altman. My God. Yeah. And uh, Zoot Money. Oh, yes, of course. <laughs> and um, who else? Oh, Lee Oscar sends his regards. Wow. And um, who else did I kind of name drop to this week? Zoot, Altman, Mingo, Lee. Whoever I spoke to sends their love and they miss you. Well, I miss them as well, huh? You know. Well, um, I spoke to Zoot this morning. Oh, dear. And he wa- he wants to get together with you, me, and him one day, if that's okay with you. Yeah, that would be fantastic, yes. Okay, perfect. Yeah. Um, John Altman said I should remind you about Monkberry in 1977. Oh, my God. <laughs> you, were, you were jamming with Van Morrison, Mick Ronson, Dr. John, and John. Yep. yep. Right? Well, John Armand <laughs> was his son. I was playing in a pub in the in you know in the, in the East End, uh-huh. as a matter of fact. This was years ago, um, a bit before. I was playing, still playing, kind of. I you know, p- I piano actually at the right. time, jazz yeah. piano. Yeah, but yeah. we used to have people wander in and want to sit in, you know. Okay. And um, Johnny arrived. I don't know how he looked like he was about fourteen years old or something with <laughs> his mum. Really? <laughs> oh, mother, wow. yeah. And his, wow. his mum came up and said, can my Johnny uh, play some music with you? And wow. I, said, I looked at him and I went, oh, this is going to be ridiculous, you know. But anyway, I said, well, why not? 
Yeah. Wow. What, do, what do you want to play? And I think he said, I want to play uh, well. It was, there was a name of a of one of the bassy. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, okay. where's whale? Okay. Right. And uh, which was a blues anyway. So I said, right. yeah, that's fine. Uh, you know, thank goodness he doesn't want to do something really intricate because um, we could both have a catastrophe. Yeah. Uh, anyway, he's, <laughs> I, you know, I played the intro, we went in and I gave him the first solo and I was like, who the hell is this? <laughs> wow. And there were two people that did that to me around about that time. And the other one was, uh, oh, it'll come to me in a moment. Okay. Um, Skidmore, Alan Skidmore. Oh, Alan Skidmore, sure. Wow. Okay. And then there's, what else do I have to bring? Oh, yeah. He said you guys were going to start a super group with, um, wait, hold on. Let me get my notes so I do not mess it up. With no, um, no, with Jerry with Jerry Gallagher. Uh yeah, I don't remember that. Um, but there yeah, was talk going around. Yeah, you know, and people were hooking up with people and saying, "Why don't we try and get him to do the, you know, yeah. me to play piano okay. and um, the rest of?" But this is kind of going on, you know, and and yeah. uh, they hadn't ever asked me. Because I was busy putting stuff together anyway. So okay. oh, <laughs> anyway, wow. anyway, it was great, you know. Okay, well, it was great. I um I did my homework. <laughs> you certainly did. <laughs> yeah, I did. And um I was about maybe twelve, thirteen years old when I was introduced to definitely what. Oh yeah. And I'll tell you how that happened. I used to uh, get an allowance every week and I'd save up my allowance and like once every three, four weeks I'd buy an LP. And um, I'm going through the racks one day, and I see definitely what with a day in, a day in the life on it. Right. And I said, "Wow, I have to check this out because I was a big Beatles fanatic, and um, it was kind of like my first introduction to um, jazz." Wow. Well, there you, you know? go. Uh, yeah. I I was busy trying to actually uh, put a bridge between. Yeah, well, I, well I, you're, the, wait, you're, the, you're the man who came up with Fusion. Yeah, I never liked that that, that name. That was an uh -huh. American name. Yeah, what they thought it was, and I didn't. I didn't. You know, it's music. Yeah. That's just the way I think about yeah, it. Yeah, but you, you you melded it. Well, I did try to do that early on, and yeah. uh, definitely one was a, a shot at. You know, they gave me a, the record company gave me a chance to do it, and so I'm. Now that that particular tune, um, I thought might be something that might cover that area that I wanted to mold together. Right, and okay. not only that, but with with an orchestra back backing as well. And you so, become and you become the godfather of acid jazz. Oh, that, that was that was later on. I think it was about yeah, that was, yeah. and that was an accident, right? You never planned it on that. Well, that was, it was basically um, from the. Uh, the Closer To It album uh -huh. was something that uh, I think it was Eddie Pillar who was, yeah, uh, yeah, who was a guy who had a you know, had that label, acid jazz label, yeah, the label. Right. And later on, he told me, I based everything, I based the whole thing on that record, yeah, that was that, that was to me, was acid jazz, yeah, yeah, said, well, 
thanks for you know telling me because I, I didn't know what acid jazz really was. It sounded uh-huh. like funk that you could dance to, or right. jazz that you could dance to, or something you take acid to. <laughs> well, yeah, well, yes, <laughs> you know, there is um, that, of course. Yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> so um, let me get kind of get started. Let me try to get this yeah, organized yeah. again. I, I mean, I'm, I'm like. I'm amazed that um, you're on the other end of this call. Um, I'm a I'm a piano player, a keyboard oh, great. player, and I started young. And when I met, when I was introduced to your music, um, all the guitar, you know, guitar gods were all over the place. Nobody was making keyboards sexy, you know. It was like, and then I found you, and you're the guy who kind of brought it to the front. There was you, there was Graham Bond, you know, Zoot, right. and um, 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 uh, Georgie, Georgie Fame. Right. And you were the big B3 players. And, um, you know, then, uh, you know, Keith Emerson popped up, but he was more of a... Uh, no, he I, was I, a, on a different track. Yeah, 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 yeah. He was incredible, but I always considered him more of a... Uh, he just became a dear friend of mine. Yeah, know? yeah, yeah, great guy. But I always considered him different than you. Because yeah. he, he was more of an uh, um, acrobat, you know. Well, he, what, uh, what I can tell you about that is we, we'd get together and we'd talk about uh, our, our, who, who influenced us, uh-huh. you know. And it turned out to be on the list <laughs> that was the same people. Right. You know, and music is so magic that here is my mate who has a completely different style, right. you know, uh, coming from the... Uh, uh, the classic side mm-hmm. of music and me, um, as as I went through the Second World War, my my no my my parents couldn't, uh, I, you know, hey, I was evacuated away for two years from my right. family. Right. Fortunately, went to a, somebody who had a piano, and <laughs> and when I came back, you know, I I used to listen to AFN American Forces Network in Germany, right. Uh, and uh, but the, the point I'm trying to make is Keith and I were influenced by the same people, and yet the magic of it all is I'm coming out on the jazz side, and he's coming out on the progressive or prog side, right. you know. And um, we had great, interesting talks. He just became a dear friend of mine, actually, uh-huh. and uh. There we yeah, are. That's yeah, what I, I can say. I mean, the Nice was an incredible band. Yeah. And, you know, obviously, Emerson Lincoln Palmer made their mark. And, um, but you, um, you also were working with Jimmy Page and Sonny Boy, right? Sonny Boy. Yeah. <laughs> um, the, just after I bought the organ, maybe about six months or <clears throat> playing one night, where was it? I think it was at the Crawdaddy. Okay. Daddy Club, which was in Richmond, yeah. uh, a kind of home of the blues, and uh, everybody played there. I was playing my new, my new organ, and uh, with a trio, and suddenly I hear a kind of chuckle, you know, uh, and I, I look up, and uh, it's Sonny Boy Williamson, wow. you know, and in, and he starts to play. We were playing. We were playing blues at the time, but anyway, whatever we played, we we all played together. Then we went and sat down in the in the break, and uh, I said, "Oh, that's, this is fantastic that you you know you come and came and sat in with us, you know." And he said, "Oh no, it's my my pleasure." And uh, sure. 
And he used to find out where we were playing, you know, like the marquee and different play, And he'd turn up. <laughs> he'd do. So uh, at a certain point, I asked him a couple of questions. I said, uh, listen, Sonny Boy, would, you know, I, I'm not being rude or anything. It's just, just for me. You know, I mean, how old are you? And he says, uh, well, Bri, says, um, I don't rightly know. It's said because they weren't strict in kind of, you know, yeah, putting stuff down on paper when I was born. Yeah, yeah, he yeah. Said, yeah. But the, to, the, to the best recollection, is, I don't know, I think about 76, something like that. You know, that was one thing. And I asked him the, another question because I kept seeing among the blues fraternity um, a tune called, or, or a, you know, alluding to Saturday night, Fish fry. Right. And I said, where did this come from then? And he says, oh, yeah, well, he said, you know, Friday night we used to get paid. He said we spend all our money buying booze and buying really good grub and, you know, and we'd start partying on Friday night and we'd go on all the way through Saturday and all the way through Sunday. And then on Monday morning we'd get up early and uh, and clean up, you know, and he said, uh, you know, when we were cleaning up, it's just we always found a couple of dead bodies. Oh, I said, well, I said, well I've been to some nasty parties, but yeah. not quite that nasty. Yeah, either. wow, yeah, I believe, I believe, I believe that. <laughs> wow, wow. And I, I, I told my uh, my manager uh, when I heard that uh, I heard that Sunny Boy had got this gig in the states mm-hmm. uh, on the King Biscuit Hour. Right. You know, and playing, I really don't know because I lived in England. Right. Yeah. And so um, he said, you know, uh, he didn't say goodbye. So I I asked my manager, hey, before he goes, when is he going? Oh, and he tells me when. And I said, look, please book some time somewhere, you know, in a studio, anywhere, you know, let's. Let's not let him go because he's, you know, I said, we will never see him again. Right. You know, and uh, I, I'd like to, um, you know, I'd like to play, you know, record an album if we can. And uh, my my manager got the Pi Studios, I think it was, Marl okay. Arch. Pi, we t- Pi was Pete Townsend's, right? Right. Right. Cool. And uh, that probably helped when we... Uh, yeah. Um, he said, well, what kind of band do you want? I said, I'm going to use my rhythm section. And um, we we should get Alan Skidmore on tenor and uh, Joe Harriet on alto, marvellous players, um, and uh, Jimmy Page, you know. And, and lo and behold, on the morning when we were starting, about 9 o'clock, there they were. And Sonny Boy is brought by by car and comes into the studio, and Sonny Boy, great. Well, let's 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 make some music then. And I said, uh, "What do you what do you want to play then?" So he takes a harmonica out, his <laughs> bag, and he says, "I never forget this." He says, "He says this this is all right," and he goes, "Bam, bam, 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 bad on." That's it. 
That's it. <laughs> well, so I, I looked at the guys and they looked at me and we went, I went, okay, this is going to be one, two, one, two, three, four. There's the groove, yeah. you know, and for the saxophone players and, you know, and the guitar, it's bang, 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 bang. And wow. we just kind of grooved the way to this. And number one was in the can. And it went on like that. I mean, it was, there was no charts. Magic, though, right? We were just picking up, except for one tune. Um, and that was, please don't, don't send me no, pla- no flowers yeah, when I'm gone. in the graveyard. Because, yeah, yeah, baby, then I, I can't smell a thing. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. <laughs> said, you know that, right? I said, yeah, I know that, too. Yeah. I, I can't remember the guy's name, but it was, you know, anyway. Yeah. An American artist uh, who was crazy. And uh, so, so, right. Okay. Well, let's do that. So, we struck a groove, just a slow blues, actually, and um, l- let him sing, you know. Right. Uh, he sang all over. He, he started and he started to sing the melody over the tracks. And I thought, well, this is good, actually. Uh-huh. And then my, my manager, you know, interrupted and said, no. Stop, stop, that's wrong. And I said, it is not wrong. It's Sonny Boy. Yeah. You know, let him, let him, you know, speak Shakespeare over this or whatever. Sure. But that's what he wants to, you know. I said, it's a story, you know. So we started again and we got it. Who was um, the man, who, who's the manager at the time? Uh, a guy called Giorgio Gomez. Oh, Giorgio, okay. Yeah, yeah. He's yeah. the guy who uh, started all the uh, mischief, right? I guess he did, yeah. yeah. Okay, we'll get to anyway. That let's not talk, let's not talk about that. Yeah. Um, the fact was that he did put the uh, did find me some studio time, and we okay. got an album with with Sunny Boy, which the title track is, you know, don't send me those flowers. Yeah. <laughs> wow, wow, what history, man! Wow. Now he was the second Sunny Boy. He borrowed the first Sunny Boy's name, right? Right. Yeah. yeah I. I I, I don't know about that, but I didn't. I I, um, I was on just trying to build this bridge of my, sure. you know. Sure. The funny thing about it was, um, around about that time, you know, if you mentioned jazz to certain people, they flinched. Right. There was no schools. There was no way to learn it. You just had to learn all these tunes and the changes and whatever, and be ready. But. Um, you know, people would ask this question. Oh, you're a you're a musician, eh? What do you play? So, yeah, play the uh, the piano. Oh, the piano. Yes. Um, are you classically trained? Um, no, actually, I'm self-taught. And this was like a put down. You know, like oh, yeah. <laughs> you, know? Yeah. you haven't been cutting. so. These people don't know anything about jazz, but they would ask over and over again. They would ask that question because right. it, that's the only thing they knew to kind of uh-huh. ground what I was doing. Wow. And somebody said, hey, you mean you play that sort of gin mill music? Oh. I thought that was pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was sort of the Long John Baldry story, right? Yes, yeah, right. Same kind of story, yeah. So also Al Cooper. You know Al Cooper. Right. Same thing. He had the same kind of history as you, pretty much. Piano player kind of got forced into sitting behind an organ, right. and uh, changed his life. Right. Well, that's that's what happened. But the way that happened to me was, I used to play at this club called the Flamingo, 
right. where Georgie Fame and Zip yep. Mane, all those guys played, you know, and uh, I was the last piano trio to play in, you know, uh, at the, at the All Nighter itself. Right. And I, uh, the guy's name was uh, Rick. Uh, Rick Gunnell would stand outside and say, you know, to the crowds passing by, you know, jazz and dancing, and the flamingo, you know, <laughs> wow. and jazz and dancing till 5.30 in the morning. We guarantee to wake you. Wow. And um, he kept on at me for about six months. Why haven't you bought an organ? Get an organ, man. You'd be a, you'd be a natural. And, I, and being a jazz snob at the time, I said, how dare you, you know, ask yeah. me do stuff like that. I'm a, I'm a piano player. Right. Yeah, it's piano player. <laughs> anyway, at a certain point, I think it was in August of that, whatever that year was, uh, but it doesn't matter. Um, I, I got a phone call from, from Rick and it was saying, like, like in a panic, he said, and he says, Brian, you, you've got to help me. I said, well, what, what, you want me to bail you out? Are you interested? Yeah. <laughs> no, no. He says, Georgie went down to Cornwall and laid on the beach. And, and this is the funny part about it is, and there was a heat wave at that time in August. Heat wave in England? Yeah. Happen, yeah, except this year, right? So he, so he said, you're the only, the only guy, you know, you played opposite Georgie. You, I bet you know all this stuff. I said, well, yeah, that, that's, that's no problem, you know. He said, well, I, you know, you've got to help me out, Brian. You know, uh, look, um, what about coming down to the, you know, the Roaring Twenties in Carnaby Street tonight? Tonight? Mm-hmm. At eight o'clock? <laughs> okay, why not? I'll help you out, you know. And it's, oh. Anyway, I went down to the, uh, you know, the Roaring Twenties and, uh, the guys were setting up and I was looking for the piano. So I asked the guy, I asked the guys, Hey, where's the piano? Oh no, they don't have a piano here. I said, well, what am I supposed to play then? Well, there's George's organ. And I, I, I which was an M a hundred, um, a little bit fancy, but whatever. Um, and, uh, so I said, what do you mean? I've got to play that. And I said, that's it. That's that's it, you know. That's what we got. And I thought, Rick, you know, you've been on on me for ages. About this. Anyways, I said, oh, so I, I got up there and told myself, stood in front of this thing with all the switches and dials and knobs and whatever you do, Orga, do not panic at this moment, you know. And so... Yeah. I started because I'd, I'd heard, I'd listened to a lot of Jimmy Smith records. Right. So I, you know, I tried to dial in a sound on this thing that sounded the nearest to Jimmy Smith that I could get, uh-huh. you know. And and then the whole thing rolled and we got through the first half. And it was really funny because I, I left the stage and somebody who'd seen me play piano came up and said, here, oh, I thought you was a jazz pianist. I said, well, I am. He said, yeah, but I didn't know you played organ. I said, you know, you know, he said, how long have you been playing organ then? I said, about, about 45 minutes. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Without a break. <laughs> right, right. 
So that's how it came around to me. And I found, oh, wait a minute, this is good, actually. This is cool. Ended up buying an organ. Right. And the rest is history. Now, was that Baldry who came up to you? That's the story I heard. No, no. Yeah, that's right. Baldry came up to me. But this is um, after that, yeah. Oh, that was after that. And I was playing in um, a club called The Twisted Wheel in Manchester. Okay. So So now we were up up in Manchester for the night. So now you were forced to learn the organ like really quick. Um, Now I heard a similar story about the harpsichord on For Your Love. Oh boy. (laughs) Is that true too? Yes, that's true, man. It was. And if I could, and and, and if I could quote you, this will never work with a harpsichord in it. Well, I thought that, but I mean, <laughs> when I was leaving, you know, right. yeah. and uh, we used to play tricks on one another all the time, you know, right. and uh, so uh, I got a call from Paul, mm-hmm. uh, the Yarbers, and he says, yeah, Brian, what are you doing this afternoon? I told him, nothing, really. He says, can you play on our single? I said, yeah. Um, where are you? He said, well, we're in this little um, studio, and it's opposite the broadcasting house. You know, up Origin Street. Okay. So, you know, just across the road from there. I, uh, and so I said, okay, yeah. So I hopped on the tube, went up there, walked up and went in the studio and looked around and Paul came out and said, oh, great. You know, we've got this tune. I want to play you, you know, um, and I want to uh, like a, an introduction, you know, and then I want you to, you know, give it whatever you got you know, behind everybody. And I said, right, well, that's okay. Well, play me the tune, which they did. And I said, well, that's cool. And I'm looking around going, wait a minute, where's the piano? Oh, no, we we don't have a piano. And then uh, I said, uh, you know, well, where's the organ then? But no, we don't, we haven't got an organ in our (laughs) either. I said, you've got to be joking, man. And I thought he was. (laughs) I said, well, you got me, you know what I mean? Yeah. He said, no, 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 we've only got this. This was this shape in the corner of the studio with a, with a cover over it, you know, uh-huh. top horn. So we whipped this aside, and there, gleaming, in, is, is a, a double-tier harpsichord. Wow. So I said, uh, you mean you want me to play that? <laughs> wow. So I asked, him, I asked him about that, and he said, well, I said, look, you, you, you know, I just play. I said because it's a plucked instrument. It's not like a piano, right? It's a f- different feel altogether. So I said, well, wait a minute. You're gonna have to give me five minutes on this thing just to get used to the action. Uh-huh. I said, right, okay. So and then I figured out when when he played me the chords, wang, 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 wang. <laughs> I said, what about if I just play these rolling, you know? Yeah, the four chords. Yeah, start. the four chords, right. And, and, and then I could play. I'll just play a rhythmic background, uh-huh. which I did. And we finished. And he said, oh, thanks so much, Brian. And I said, right, well, uh, okay. I, I I walked outside and I, I was walking down, you know, Upper Regent Street, thinking to myself on the way to the tube, now, these guys are nuts. Who's Who's going to buy... A pop single with mm-hmm. harpsichord on harpsichord, it. Yes, I heard. Yeah, well, boy, I you know I must say. I mean, th- that's uh, that, I, that, I, that, that that's the iconic sound, you know, to that tune. 
Yes, it is amazing. That, that well, became... Once I start, I kind of listen to it, you know, and uh, well, it's yeah, it does the trick. Um, but I, I was just thinking of who's going to buy a you know a pop pop single with harpsichord on it? Yeah, um, um, and boy, was I wrong. Well, <laughs> yeah, but every time you're wrong, something good comes out of it. <laughs> well, I think all these things, you know, lots of things occur by accident. Yeah. I, I call it the, uh, you know, the the galaxy inter- intervening. You know, uh-huh. Deus, uh, you know, okay. deus from, uh, on, on, in Machina. There you go. That was, the, that was the Machina. And, and, and you're in California now, correct? No, I'm in London. Uh, oh, you're in London. Right now, you mean? Yeah. Right now. Yes, I am. You're in California now. Yep, I'm in. I live in Venice. Okay. Rex, you know, I'm about five minutes walk or less to the beach. Oh, cool. To the Pacific Ocean. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah, I'm in New Mexico now. I'm up from New York originally. Oh yeah. Yeah, I'm in New Mexico, so we're not that far. We're neighbors. Um, yeah. So, um, Steam so, Packet was the first supergroup. Well, that's what they called it later on. But we, right. uh, yeah. basically, uh, I I was playing in this club in Manchester, the Twisted Wheel, and um, this guy, about six foot five, <laughs> comes up to me in the break and says, uh, "Hey, Brian, uh, I'd, I'd like you to come and talk to my managers and my agent on Monday. This is Saturday night, so I wonder whether you'd be interested." You know, so. Long John Bordery at that point actually was a household name. And the reason was because the Beatles were given a one hour TV show at Christmas time. Right. And it had run for two for the for its second year, you know, and and on the first and second year, they had Long John Bordery come and sing because they they were big fans. Okay. And so uh I said, I can do that. So Monday morning we go to uh, uh, to meet his agent and manager, um, and uh, they say in front of John, you know, look, the hoochie coochie man, that was John's band, who were completely raging madmen. Um, I said they're out of control. Mm-hmm. You know, we can't control them. Uh, they do what they like and whatever, you know. I said, well, okay. So we, we, need, we need somebody to be the leader of the band. And you can, you know, we'd like you to, if you if you want to make this band with John, you know, you can pick who you want, you know, for your rhythm section and the musicians. And, um, and, uh, between the two of you, you know, you can assemble a something or other. So we did. John insisted upon having uh, a young guy who was unknown, Rod Stewart. Um, so with the two singers, I said, well, what kind of band is this? Was it like a Sam and Dave review? Right. And they kind of went, well, I don't know. You know I, I better figure it out because otherwise... I, I don't see that that out there is going to, you know, there's plenty of people with two people singing sure. and you know, plenty of bands. But um, I just did two singles mm-hmm. and played on two singles with this 
with this girl called Julie Driscoll. Yeah. And she came, boy, can she sing? And uh, I said, I, I think you should add her. And then they said, well, wait, how's that going to work? How's it going to? I said, well, the way I look at it is, you know, I'd go on and I'd play some, I'd play a couple of tunes, mm-hmm. like Jimmy Smith or Jimmy McGriff or one of mine, uh, to get everything stirred up. And Julie comes on and she does her number, uh, Aretha Franklin and Nina Simone and those things, you know. And, what a voice that woman had. Oh, boy. And then Rod comes on and then we both sing back up for Rod. And then comes the big star. And with John, we've got me and Julie and Rod Stewart singing back up for whatever he wants to do. And they said, well, and I thought about that and said, well, we should try that. I said, there's nothing really like it out there. No. You know, uh, uh, and uh, they, they agreed to give, the, give it a shot. Uh, so the birth of the, uh, you know, what was for a few, couple of months known as, you know, Long John Baldwin and Friends or, you know, and then it, and then it, because, because if you played with great gusto, you know, at the time you were, whoever you were, piano, saxes, guitar, if you played with great gusto and swing, uh, people would say, he's a steamer, you yeah. know, he's a real steamer. So that was the steam part of it. And then I realized that there was a steam packet that, that came up and down the Mississippi. Mm-hmm. Into New Orleans, right? I mean, steam packet that gives the idea of the blues. New Orleans, it covers everything, the whole gamut. And so right. we stuck with that. Wow! And there we are. Yeah, and um, well, and then that fractured off, and that's when you started Trinity. Yes, I did because I, okay. after nearly two years, um. I'm playing on this, playing across this great swath of, of different music and styles and mm-hmm. feels. Um, it occurred to me that there are certain things that I really locked into, and um, I wanted to try to get this jazz bridge sorted out. And um, so I, I um, having stepped out, I got a new room section, and. Uh, and I heard from Gomelsky, who said, uh, Julie says she wants to come with you, you know. And I, I said, well, that's a great idea yeah. as well. She's welcome. And, so she, that, and, she, and she was the whole package. She looked great. Yes, she that sang was the great. the package again, you know. And you, you, you yeah. <laughs> we <yeah>. launched that. <laughs> wow. And um, this wheel's on fire. You guys did before anybody else. Yeah. You you beat everybody to the punch on that one, which was a great. Well, great... We, we kind of did in a way, and we didn't in another way. And uh-huh. in fact, you know, like uh, uh, these tapes were sent over, right? And they had all these tunes on, and I think uh, Manfred Mann got them first. Okay, and did Mighty Quinn? It took, yeah, that was that, that was that, that was gone. That was <laughs> the yeah, that was the bootleg album, uh, uh, the White Wonder, the Great White right. Wonder. So. Oh, no. So by the time these things circulated to us, there were only two tunes left. There was, uh, you know, uh, 
wheels. There was wheels, and the other one, if I can remember properly, um, was uh, Tears of Rage. Okay. Now, this thing with, with um, you know, we, we went up to the office and, and we heard this thing played, you know, the um, this wheel's on fire. And the first thing that occurred to me was, I, well, I like, you know, I, I kind of like the tune. All it was was um, he was singing and, and and playing guitar, and there was a walking upright bass. Mm-hmm. That's what we. That's what we had. Yep. And uh, <laughs> I said, uh, Julie said, "Oh, I like this." <laughs> so, well, that's great. But how does this become? you know, a, uh, a a pop single, right. if that's what we're looking for. And um, Kamelski said, well, I, I really don't know. I said, Georgia, I can probably turn this into a great album track. But whether or not it's a pop single, I mean, here I go again, opening my big mouth. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. You're wrong again. So, they, <laughs> <laughs> so I took this thing home and I, I tried to fit some kind of a rock, you know, basis, mm-hmm. groove to it, uh, and it uh, didn't work. Right. And I tried my best to, you know, different styles, and it didn't work. And I thought, well, I don't know what to do with this. And I listened to the bass again, and being a jazzer, you know, I wait a minute, let's do a walking bass. Let's just leave it like that. And I, we could do it in it almost like a march, right? You know, uh, and I'm sure, you know, we could come, we could come up with something. Yep. So we went in the studio and laid. I laid down a piano track, and then, uh, you know, uh, the guitar and uh, some strings and uh, and whatever, and came up with this thing. And Julie came in and sang the vocal, and I was like. My God, I can't believe this is like, it worked amazing. It worked, but I said, I, I still don't believe it's a single, yeah. And yeah. um, well, I'm glad they they didn't listen to me, actually. And uh, I, I, mean, I am kind of amazed that these things have lasted this long. Well, and, and this it, guy, it, it, it was time to get your stuff out there again, yeah. The, what we are is we're musicians, right. I love musicians. Yeah, yeah, I do they've too. They've all got these stories and stuff, you know. I know, I know. Um, in fact, um, I'm going to invite you to something. Um, I'll talk to you about it later. Um, yeah. So anyway, we um, we started your solo career. Trinity's up and running, and that you, that some great, great stuff came from there. Got over to the Oblivion Express and all that yeah. stuff. Well, the, um, the Obli- yeah, Oblivion Express because we had that hit with the Trinity. Uh-huh. And of course, at that time, the big uh, labels—if you had a hit, it was like a starter for them. Okay, do that again, right? You know, and make it kind of almost the same or whatever. You know? uh-huh. that's, and I thought, well, that's kind of like I'm—I'm I'm trying to press on and develop this music. <laughs> that's no good to me, right? Um, uh, and so I, I decided I was going to go ahead with what I thought uh, was needed at that time and to make this kind of bridge. And uh, it was like, um, as I said, the, 
the record company was kind of fairly unhappy about this. Yeah. And I, and, and I, I needed a name for the band. And because I thought I was wading against the commercial tide mm-hmm. at the time, I thought, well, this might, this might be my career on its way to oblivion. And oh. um, so I think I'll call this, it may be the quickest way to oblivion. And so I'm going to call it the Oblivion Express. Right. <laughs> but that's where you really started um, experimenting with what yeah. you had. That was incredible stuff. Um, the, uh, the, the Trinity was great, but Trinity, you were locked in to a formula. But the Oblivion Express was, wow, that, that was out there. That was, yes, it was. Huh? That, that was incredible. <laughs> that, that was incredible. I'm waiting for a box set. Of well, the I, I was, I was going through my 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 records, and I realized that you know somebody like Miles Miles Davis, for example, uh-huh. Uh-huh. did this run of albums from you know, uh, uh, like Bitches Blue and yeah, uh, Bitches Brew. It just yeah. went yeah. on and on, different, yeah. completely yeah. different. Yeah, and I thought. You know, I shouldn't be, I shouldn't but, really be like afraid to, you know. I mean, you, you, you were never afraid. I, I, you know, you, you did your own writing and everything, but the songs that you covered, you had the, um, well, how can I put it without offending it? You had the, uh, you said the courage to do Light My Fire. Oh, yeah. I, that's well, I knew those guys as well. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know Robbie pretty well. I, I, I know Robbie. <laughs> uh, I, yeah, I know your great yeah. Robbie's a great. But anyway, you had the um, the courage to do "Light My Fire," which is an organ tune, and you did it entirely different. I mean, it, you know, it's still yeah. you behind the organ, but you had no. It, it's a different tune, you know. Yeah, I thought um, um, you I did, thought that they they'd recorded that tune, The Doors. Yeah, yeah. but it was too fast. Uh-huh. You know, but it's almost yeah. like wait a minute. And yeah, yeah, you just brought and it back. Then I heard um who was the guy who did it on guitar? Jose uh, Feliciano. That's the one. When I heard that, uh-huh. I went, Oh my god, that's a great tune. Right. You know, <laughs> and, I, I, and we got okay, slow so down. You did you did Donovan Season of the Witch. Yeah. After you did it, Cooper and Bloomfield did it. Oh well, yes, that was. I mean, Terry Terry Reed did it after you. Who was it, Cooper? When I first met him, I said, "Listen, I've got to apologize for doing your tune." Uh huh. That's tune. yeah. That's what I'm saying. That's, that's, that's not my tune, but, but, but we did. Yeah, <laughs> but t- Terry Reed did it after you as well. Yeah, but you you brought it to the table first. <laughs> but this is good. I thought this was good because uh-huh. people on one side were catching on uh-huh. to where this, where, what the roots of these things were, right. you know, and uh, without having my roots in, in jazz and having played through the whole panoply of, mm-hmm. of, of uh, evergreens and stuff, I mean, I had plenty to choose from to, uh, and, and Julie used to throw these things at me as well. Yeah, I tramp. And, I, I, and I go, you, I mean, well, you, 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 you did. The, the version of Tramp you did is incredible. Oh, but I mean, you know, when she came in and said, this is Donovan tune I want to do. Oh, my God. You know. <laughs> Used to hold on to that record cover for, you know, yeah. for weeks at a time before you put it down. <laughs> right. and, you know, you, you, exactly. know, you, you memorize every writer, every, you know, 
So, I mean, the people have left it. You are the godfather of, of um, you know, this whole acid jazz thing. You brought all this stuff to the table. Um, that was really me, funny, actually, as well, yeah. because uh, I, I said, what do you mean? Uh, where did that come from then? Yep. And I was in the, you know, I was living in the States at the time. So, I mean, this was going on in, uh, in England, you know, mm-hmm. and, I didn't, and parties and they we, so, and, and then Eddie Pillar so before uh, we said in an interview or something, well, you know, I based my whole record label on Brian yeah. Auger's Closer to It album. Well, that's right. <laughs> and he did. Um, so before we go any further, I just want yeah. to put a shout out about the new, Brian Auger and the Trinity box set that's oh, going to, yeah. and that's going to be released in another couple of weeks, right? It is actually, and uh, I think in about uh, two weeks, it's yeah. on. Yeah, it's uh, Far Horizons, and, and it, yes, and Soul um, Bank. Yeah, in fact, um, oh, it's record. coming out. I'm sorry, it's coming out tomorrow. Oh, good. Tomorrow's the release date, and um, again, it's a five LP box yeah. set. Yep. And it's the uh, Trinity years. And um Yeah, that's it. I mean no. we um I, the the Soul Bank has done a tremendous job actually mm-hmm. on this because I, I I thought, oh well, what's gonna happen? They um they actually remastered everything. Yes. And it's beautiful on vinyl. It's absolutely beautiful. Did a tremendous job with the artwork. Double box yeah, set, okay. yeah, and then and and the box set too. And so I have to congratulate uh, Greg Borman, you know, of yep. uh, Soul Bank, and yep. also K Seven for for doing this for me. I mean, it's uh, I something I never imagined would happen, but it's happening. Yeah, you, you've you, you've worked the greatest. Um, your Jimi Hendrix stories are legendary. Oh, yeah, Jimmy. Well, I was the the uh, the animals that I knew actually actually broken up on the uh, the bass player Chaz Chandler called me and said, "Brian, um, can you come up and talk to us at the office?" And I went, "Oh, uh, because the office was him who I trusted." Uh, and uh, Mike Jeffrey, who right. I didn't, and right. I had no. I, I said, "Look, I'll come up and talk to you, absolutely." You know, because he's my friend. Um, but I already knew in my back of my mind, I'm not doing anything, you know, with this with with, with, with Mike yeah. Jeffrey. And so I got there, and uh, they said, uh, "We brought this fantastic guitar player over from New York." I'd only put the. Um, the new band myself you know together uh, probably six weeks something like right. that right so uh, uh I, th- I think it was Chaz said look we want this guy to front your band the way they put it and i said well they're a bit late because um, Julie Driscoll fronts my band and I've got a guitar player. So mm-hmm. what do you, what do you expect me to do? Like just leave them standing on the pavement in London? And Mike said, well, that's your problem. And I thought, there he is. That's okay. why I can't do anything with this guy. Right, right, <laughs> right, 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 right. So anyway, so I said, look, Chaz, 
on Thursday night, I'm at the Cromwellian Club, mm-hmm. Cromwell Road. Why don't you bring your guy? I didn't even know the guy's name. You know, and why don't you bring your guy down? And in the break, he could sit in. And anyone who is anybody in the music scene used to assemble at the, at the Cromwellian because uh, it was the only place you could get a drink until about two o'clock in the morning. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and so, and so um, when on the night, there was, uh, I think Clapton was there, Jeff Beck, a couple of other, you know, amazing guitar players. And the English guitar players, and you've got to, you know, you've got to hand it to them. They played wonderfully well. Oh that man, time. that's what I'm saying. Everything was guitar till I met you. <laughs> yeah. So he uh, he comes up in the break and introduces Jimmy, who's a really sweet guy. Mm-hmm. He says, "Hey, Brian, can I sit in with your band?" I said, "Well, yeah. What do you what do you want to play?" And he showed me this chord sequence. Said, "Can you play over this chord sequence?" And showed it to him. And I went, "Yeah, yeah, yeah it's great." It was Hey Joe. Um, but he he wasn't singing at the time either. Um, later later on, uh, you know, they told me that no, we had to make him sing. He's got to sing, you know. <laughs> so wow. we became great friends. And when he when he started to play, it was, you know, I mean, I I could still hear where the English guitar players had come from. Because all that stuff came from America anyway, right. you know. And uh, and Jimmy played, you know, and did the thing with, a, you know, with him playing with his teeth. And the, yeah. and the crowd went absolutely, absolutely nuts. Right. And I thought, well, even the, the playing is the playing, you know. Never mind about the entertainment. That's what I'm listening for. And uh, I went, boy. This guy is different to anybody I've ever heard. <laughs> wow. And so we played another couple of tunes and uh, he thanked me and he said, can I come and sit in again if you're around? Absolutely. You know, and uh, and he did. He would find out where we were in central London and come by and sit in. Uh, amazing. Wow. And um, you know, I saw him play a couple of times in New York. Um, yeah. Late, you know, later on when he was already a star, he was incredible. Um, and Jeffries ruined him. You know, Mike Jeffries yes. ruined him. You know, completely. Yeah, yeah he, he did. Um, you had that um, Vic Briggs in your band. Who was that? Vic Briggs. Oh, Vic Briggs. Yeah. And he became a big, well, a semi-big producer, arranger. He worked with Zoot. I know he did an album for the big right. old band and people like that. Um, then he got into a whole different spiritual thing. Uh-huh. And, right? And, and you know. I, he, I really don't know too much about that history. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah he be, that, okay. He know? became a very popular um, Indian music player. Um, anyway, that was Vic. And, um, oh, Eric Burden. Yeah. Another guy you um Oh yes. And that's I know Eric's a tough act. He's a tough man to, to um deal with, but you guys worked it out, I guess. Yeah, and- I mean again, uh I don't know what was going on with uh you know, with him, but I think he made some really, 
wrong steps because yeah. he should he should have been a household name. Yeah, yeah, everywhere and in some places he was. Right, um, right, right. Um, and you were with him after after he was in war. After war. After war, yeah, yeah. That's when you, yeah. He, I, you know, I was never with war or anything. I was no, I know, I know, I know. But he, band, but, yeah, but yeah, he Eric was, with was war, yeah. yeah. And because he was so difficult to deal with, I asked him to leave. Oh, um, I understand that when uh, Clapton saw Hendrix uh, play, he kind of uh, when who when when Eric Clapton saw Jimmy oh, play, yeah. he kind of knew that there was a new god in town, huh? Well, he went home and apparently. Said, you know, uh, well, uh, it's back to the drawing board again. Yeah. <laughs> yep, which, yep, yep, yep. Which was very brave, I think, you know? Yeah, it is. It really is. Um, so, um, so the album's coming out tomorrow. Your website is, um, brianauger.com. That's right. You've done your homework. This is the end of this episode of NMDJ. Presents Fly on the Wall. We would like to thank Brian Auger as well as Trevor Seaman of Score Press. We are listener funded. If you would like to assist our Venmo info is New Mexico DJ service. The PayPal info is New Mexico DJ service at gmail.com. Please remember to share our info. Thanking you all. Don't forget to follow the show. Hope you enjoyed this episode of Fly on the Wall. There are more great interviews to follow so please list us as one of your favorites and be sure to follow. We are listener funded. If you would like to assist our Venmo info is New Mexico DJ service. The PayPal info is New Mexico DJ service at gmail.com. Please remember to share our info. Thanking you all.